Section 10 from A Journal of the Plague Year. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Read by Dennis Sayers. A Journal of the Plague Year by Daniel Defoe. Section 10. It was observable, then, that this calamity of the people made them very humble. For now, for about nine weeks together, there died near a thousand a day, one day with another, even by the account of the weekly bills, which yet, I have reason to be assured, never gave a full account by many thousands, the confusion being such, and the carts working in the dark when they carried the dead, that in some places no account at all was kept, but they worked on, the clerks and sextons not attending for weeks together, and not knowing what number they carried. This account is verified by the following bills of mortality. August 8th to August 15th, of all diseases, 5,319, of the plague, 3,000. 880. August 15th to August 22nd. Of all diseases, 5,568. Of the plague, 4,237. From August 22nd to August 29th, 7,496 of all diseases. Of the plague, 6,102. August 29th to September 5th, 8,252 of all diseases, of the plague, 6,988. September 5th to September 12th, 7,690 of all diseases, of the plague, 6,544. September 12th to September 19th, 8,297 of all diseases, of the plague, 7,165. September 19th through September 26th, 6,460 of all diseases, of the plague, 5,533. September 26th to October 3rd, 5,720 of all diseases, of the plague, 4,979. October 3rd to October 10th, 5,068 of all diseases, of the plague, 4,327. Total of all diseases, 59,870 of the plague, 49,705 so that the gross of the people were carried off in these two months. For as the whole number which was brought in to die of the plague was but 68,590, here is 50,000 of them within a trifle, in two months. I say 50,000 because as there wants 395 in the number above, so there wants two days of two months in the account of time. 
now when i say that the parish officers did not give in a full account or were not to be depended upon for their account let any one consider how men could be exact in such a time of dreadful distress and when many of them were taken sick themselves and perhaps died in the very time when their accounts were to be given in i mean the parish clerks besides inferior officers for though these poor men ventured at all hazards yet they were far from being exempt from the common calamity especially if it be true that the parish of stepney had within the year one hundred and sixteen sextons gravediggers and their assistants that is to say bearers bellmen and drivers of carts for carrying off the dead bodies indeed the work was not of such a nature as to allow them leisure to take an exact tale of the dead bodies which were all huddled together in the dark into a pit which pit or trench no man could come nigh but at the utmost peril i have observed often that in the parishes of aldgate cripplegate whitechapel and stepney there were five six seven and eight hundred in a week in the bills whereas if we may believe the opinion of those that lived in the city all the time as well as i there died sometimes two thousand a week in those parishes and i saw it under the hand of one that made as strict an examination in that park as he could that there really died a hundred thousand people of the plague in that one year whereas in the bills the articles of the plague it was but sixty eight thousand five hundred and ninety if i may be allowed to give my opinion by what i saw with my eyes and heard from other people that were eye-witnesses i do verily believe the same that is that there died at least a hundred thousand of the plague only besides other distempers and besides those which died in the fields and highways and secret places out of the compass of the communication as it was called and who were not put down in the bills though they really belonged to the body of the inhabitants it was known to us all that abundance of poor despairing creatures who had the distemper upon them and were grown stupid or melancholy by their misery as many were wandered away into the fields and woods and into secret uncouth places almost anywhere to creep into a bush or hedge and die the inhabitants of the village adjacent would in pity carry them food and set it at a distance that they might fetch it if they were able and sometimes they were not able and the next time they went they would find the poor wretches lie dead and the food untouched the number of these miserable objects were many and i know so many perished thus and so exactly where that i believe i could go to the very place and dig their bones up still for the country people would go and dig a hole at a distance from them and then with long poles and hooks at the end of them 
drag the bodies into these pits, and then throw the earth in from as far as they could cast it, to cover them, taking notice how the wind blew, and so come on that side which the seamen called to windward, that the scent of the bodies might blow from them. And thus great numbers went out of the world, who were never known, or any account of them taken, as well within the bills of mortality, as without. This, indeed, I had in the main only from the relation of others, for I seldom walked into the fields, except towards Bethnal Green and Hackney, or as hereafter. But when I did walk, I always saw a great many poor wanderers at a distance, but I could know little of their cases, for whether it were in the street or in the fields, if we had seen anybody coming, it was a general method to walk away. Yet I believe the account is exactly true. As this puts me upon mentioning my walking the streets and fields, I cannot omit taking notice what a desolate place the city was at that time. The great street I lived in, which is known to be one of the broadest of all the streets of London, I mean of the suburbs as well as the liberties, all the side where the butchers lived, especially without the bars, was more like a green field than a paved street, and the people generally went in the middle with the horses and carts. It is true that the farthest end, towards Whitechapel Church, was not all paved, but even the part that was paved was full of grass also. But this need not seem strange, since the great streets within the city, such as Leadenhall Street, Bishopsgate Street, Cornhill, and even the Exchange itself, had grass growing in them in several places. Neither cart nor coach was seen in the streets from morning to evening, except some country carts to bring roots and beans, or peas, hay, and straw to the market, and those but very few compared to what was usual. As for the coaches, they were scarce used, but to carry sick people to the pest-house and to other hospitals, and some few to carry physicians to such places as they thought fit to venture to visit, for really coaches were dangerous things, and people did not care to venture into them, because they did not know who might have been carried in them last, and sick, infected people were, as I have said, ordinarily carried in them to the pest-houses, and sometimes people expired in them as they went along. It is true, when the infection came to such a height as I have now mentioned, there were very few physicians who cared to stir abroad to sick houses, and very many of the most eminent of the faculty were dead, as well as the surgeons also, for now it was indeed a dismal time, and for about a month together, not taking any notice of the bills of mortality, I believe there did not die less than fifteen or seventeen hundred a day, one day with another. One of the worst days we had in the whole time, as I thought, was in the beginning of September, when, indeed, 
good people were beginning to think that God was resolved to make a full end of the people in this miserable city. This was at the time when the plague was fully come into the eastern parishes. The parish of Aldgate, if I may give my opinion, buried above one thousand a week for two weeks, though the bills did not say so many. But it surrounded me, at so dismal a rate, that there was not a house in twenty uninfected. In the minories, in Houndsditch, and in those parts of the Aldgate parish, about the butcher row, and the alleys over against me, I say, in those places, death reigned in every corner. Whitechapel parish was in the same condition, and though much less than the parish I lived in, yet buried near six hundred a week by the bills, and in my opinion near twice as many. Whole families, and indeed whole streets of families, were swept away together, insomuch that it was frequent for neighbours to call to the bellmen to go to such and such houses, and fetch out the people, for that they were all dead. And, indeed, the work of removing the dead bodies by carts was now grown so very odious and dangerous, that it was complained of that the bearers did not take care to clear such houses where all the inhabitants were dead, but that sometimes the bodies lay till the neighbouring families were offended by the stench, and consequently infected. And this neglect of the officers was such that the church wardens and constables were summoned to look after it, and even the justices of the hamlets were obliged to venture their lives among them to quicken and encourage them. For innumerable of the bearers died of the distemper, infected by the bodies they were obliged to come so near. And had it not been that the number of poor people who wanted employment, and wanted bread, as I have said before, was so great that necessity drove them to undertake anything, and venture anything, they would never have found people to be employed. And then the bodies of the dead would have lain above ground, and have perished and rotted in a dreadful manner. But the magistrates cannot be enough commended in this, that they kept such good order for the burying of the dead, that as fast as any of those they employed to carry off and bury the dead fell sick or died, as was many times the case, they immediately supplied the places with others, which, by reason of the great number of poor that was left out of business, as above, was not hard to do. This occasioned that, notwithstanding the infinite number of people which died, and were sick, almost altogether, yet they were always cleared away, and carried off every night, so that it was never to be said of London that the living were not able to bury the dead. As the desolation was greater during those terrible times, so the amazement of the people increased and a thousand unaccountable things they would do in the violence of their fright, as others did the same in the agonies of their distemper, and this part was very affecting. Some went roaring and crying, 
and wringing their hands along the street. Some would go praying and lifting up their hands to heaven, calling upon God for mercy. I cannot say, indeed, whether this was not in their distraction, but be it so, it was still an indication of a more serious mind when they had the use of their senses, and was much better, even as it was, than the frightful yellings and cryings that every day, and especially in the evenings, were heard in some streets. I suppose the world has heard of the famous Solomon Eagle, an enthusiast. He, though not infected at all, but in his head, went about denouncing of judgment upon the city in a frightful manner, sometimes quite naked, and with a pan of burning charcoal on his head. What he said, or pretended, indeed, I could not learn. I will not say whether that clergyman was distracted or not, or whether he did it out of pure zeal for the poor people, who went every evening through the streets of Whitechapel, and with his hands lifted up, repeated that part of the liturgy of the church continually. Quote, spare us, good Lord, spare thy people whom thou hast redeemed with thy most precious blood. Close quote. I say, I cannot speak positively of these things, because these were only the dismal objects which represented themselves to me as I looked through my chamber windows, for I seldom opened the casements, while I confined myself within doors during the most violent raging of the pestilence, when indeed, as I have said, many began to think, and even to say, that there would none escape. And indeed, I began to think so too, and therefore kept within doors for about a fortnight, and never stirred out. But I could not hold it. Besides, there were some people who, notwithstanding the danger, did not omit publicly to attend the worship of God, even in the most dangerous times. And though it is true that a great many of the clergy did shut up their churches, and fled, as other people did, for the safety of their lives, yet all did not do so. Some ventured to officiate, and to keep up the assemblies of the people by constant prayers, and sometimes sermons, or brief exhortations to repentance and reformation, and this as long as any would come to hear them. And dissenters did the like also, and even in the very churches where the parish ministers were either dead or fled. Nor was there any room for making difference at such a time as this was. It was indeed a lamentable thing to hear the miserable lamentations of poor dying creatures, calling out for ministers to comfort them and pray with them, to counsel them and direct them, calling out to God for pardon and mercy, and confessing aloud their past sins. It would make the stoutest heart bleed to hear how many warnings were then given by dying penitents to others not to put off and delay their repentance to the day of distress, that such a time of calamity as this 
was no time for repentance, was no time to call upon God. I wish I could repeat the very sound of those groans, and of those exclamations that I heard from some poor dying creatures, when in the height of their agonies and distress, and that I could make him that reads this hear as I imagine I now hear them, for the sound seems still to ring in my ears. If I could but tell this part in such moving accents as should alarm the very soul of the reader, I should rejoice that I recorded those things, however short and imperfect. It pleased God that I was still spared, and very hardy and sound in health, but very impatient of being pent up within doors without air, as I had been for fourteen days, or thereabouts. And I could not restrain myself, but I would go out and carry a letter for my brother to the post-house, and then it was, indeed, that I observed a profound silence in the streets. When I came to the post-house, as I went to put in my letter, I saw a man stand in one corner of the yard, and talking to another at a window, and a third had opened a door belonging to the office. In the middle of the yard lay a small leather purse, with two keys hanging at it, with money in it, but nobody would meddle with it. I asked how long it had lain there. The man at the window said it had lain almost an hour, but they had not meddled with it, because they did not know but the person who dropped it might come back to look for it. I had no such need of money, nor was the sum so big that I had any inclination to meddle with it, or to get the money at the hazard it might be attended with. So I seemed to go away, when the man who had opened the door said he would take it up, but so that, if the right owner came for it, he should be sure to have it. So he went in and fetched a pail of water, and set it down hard by the purse, then went again and fetched some gunpowder, and cast a good deal of powder upon the purse, and then made a train from that which he had thrown loose upon the purse. The train reached about two yards. After this he goes in a third time, and fetches out a pair of tongs red-hot, which he had prepared, I suppose, on purpose, and first setting fire to the train of powder that sent the purse, and also smoked the air sufficiently. But he was not content with that, but he then takes up the purse with the tongs, holding it so long that the tongs burnt through the purse, and then he shook the money out into the pail of water. So he carried it in. The money, as I remember, was about thirteen shillings, and some smooth groats and brass farthings. End of section 10